And um, I just want to testify about God's goodness and his faithfulness in my life. And um, recently, well, before I do that, I want to share the scripture with you. It says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus has come so that he may bring life, life in abundance. And I feel like I'm at that place right now where I'm living in that place of abundance, you know, because the enemy wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to bring, you know, the opposite of unity. But God is restoring all of that. And my testimony is that my mom, she um, came to church on Easter and she received prayer and just God is just working in her. I know that. And um, my younger sister, she just got back, back to the Lord and she's been coming faithfully to elevate Jeez, so I'm just believing God for just awesome things. I just see God restoring and bringing hope. And I'm here to tell you guys that the Bible has promises for us to hold on to for our families and to keep praying for them that us and our households shall be saved in Jesus' name. And so I want you guys to say, not me, to the enemy. You can't steal. You can't, you know, you can't destroy. You can't take it. And so um, I just want to share out of Psalm 23 where it says in verse 1 in the last verse, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Because we allow him to be our shepherd, he is everything in one that we need. Amen. And um, it ends in verse 16, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and let's just give God some praise and celebrate for what God is doing and what he's going to do. Amen. All right, I'm just going to pray us, pray us out. Hallelujah, Father, I thank you for this time, Lord. And we just praise you. We just worship you in this place. God, prepare our hearts, God, to come before you. Hallelujah, God, this time belongs to you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come in and have your way. We ask that sin would be broken, that chains and bondages would be broken. Lord, we ask for freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, King. Amen. just raise your hands with me just say holy spirit you are welcome here come on can you say that say holy spirit you are welcome here you're welcome in this room you're welcome in this heart god have your way jesus oh we desire you in this place lord we love you we love you jesus come on before we sing any songs on the karaoke screen can you just Tell him a few words right now before we start singing a song. Say, God, you're my everything. Come on, tell him your heart this morning. Jesus, I come to worship you, Lord. My everything, my everything, Lord. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. My everything. Hallelujah. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Come on, do you believe that? Say, who shakes the whole earth? Who shakes the whole earth? Holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. 
This is amazing grace. This is a very life that you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down, you lay down your life. That I would be
This is unfailing love That you That you would take my place That you would bear my glory You lay down You lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me fill this place with thankfulness Lord come on can you lift up your voice this morning and say thank you Jesus you're worthy you're worthy Jesus thank you for your amazing grace thank you for your love Lord you're worthy Jesus you're worthy you're worthy Jesus you're worthy we praise you, Lord. We lift you up in this place, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, this song is so powerful because it, it says, who breaks the power of sin and darkness? That's Jesus. Come on, is there power of sin over your life? Is there a power of darkness over your life? Only Jesus can set you free this morning come on is your case or chaos in your life are things out of order in your life this morning Jesus can put your life together if we would just give and surrender to him come on does anybody feel like an orphan in this place come on your mother your father rejected you you feel alone in this world Jesus is calling to you and saying come come I welcome you into my kingdom come on he's calling us sons and daughters he's calling out to you Jesus, we welcome you in this morning, God. Only you, Jesus. Oh, we're waiting on you, God. We just want you in this place.
tell him, tell him, church. Come on, every person, every voice, every heart, tell him how hungry you are this morning. You are everything, God. We just want you in this place. church that believes in the gifts of the spirit right now we open up this time for a word to come if you believe you have a word from the lord we open up this time for him to speak to us before Jesus come on he sees you he sees you fighting he sees you holding on to him come on Holy Ghost I pray God that you would raise us up God with wings of eagles oh God that we would walk on the heights this morning this week oh God that we would know that you're with us and you're pleased God you're pleased in the sacrifice hallelujah Jesus thank you Lord we're not alone Jesus Walking with us,
comfort is, oh Lord, to be by your side, Jesus. Man, with every eye closed, let's just keep our eyes closed for one second. Oh, hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Now in your own way, say hallelujah to God. If you need to cry, if you need to weep, if you need to sacrifice some things right now, now's your time. You say hallelujah in your own way, in your own heart. God, I am believing you. God, I am trusting you. God, I believe that you said who I am, God, and that you know my destiny. You know my future, God. You know the plans that you have for me, God. And your plans are good, Lord. Amen. In your own way, just speak to him today. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you.
Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you, God, for what you've done for us, Lord. God, we lift you high. God, we exalt you, God, before every man, God, before every one of our hobbies, before our jobs, oh God, before our role, oh God, in our family, God. We exalt you first, oh God. You are mighty, God. You are awesome, Lord. And there is no one like you. Isn't that right today, church? There is no one like God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. God is good. You guys can have a seat. Amen. I'm going to ask that at this moment, all the children would make their way towards the sound booth. We're going to dismiss them for their, their King's Kids classes. Amen. God is good. It's God good. He is. All the time. All the time. All the time. Okay. Amen. God is good. My name is Deanna. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I also um, lead the evangelism ministry on Saturdays. And I want to tell you guys some good news today. Can everybody say good news? Some good news. And I just want to know, before I tell you that good news, how many of you all have had some bad news maybe lately? Or maybe just not the most pleasant news you know, that it, it's not exciting, it's not fun sometimes. I mean, I feel like, especially today of all days, just in that worship time, God came in, in a different way. God came in a comforting way. I am not alone. And let's just say that one more time. Let's say, I am not alone. Tink, tear. <laughs> but we are not alone, you guys. It's so true. And the good news is that even when bad things happen, even when it's hard to trust and hard to be positive and be enthusiastic about what we're going through, there is someone who is good. There's a person, there's a God who is good when things aren't going good, right? Amen. Amen. And you know what? You know what? 2,000 years ago, that good God came to this earth. He lived the same things that you lived. Those sins, those struggles, those sorrows that you have, he died for those things. He came on this earth, lived the life that you live as a human being, took it upon himself, lived a human life and did not sin. Though he was tempted, he remained holy. He trusted God. He relied on the Holy Spirit and did the will of the Father. And you know what then? He, he died. He was suffered at our sins, God. He suffered and died for us. Every, literally every sin, every sickness, every sorrow, everything, everything for everyone, Jesus took it on the cross. That picture that you see from, from you know, the passion, you know, Jesus is bloody, that's what's going on. That's, that's what's going on right there in that picture. That's him taking what you're going through right now. That's him taking. He knows your temptations. He knows your struggles. He knows he's an intimate God. He's not far away, right? You are not alone, right? He knows and he knew it on that cross and he didn't get out. He didn't quit. He didn't say, oh, it's too hard. It's too much. I, I just can't do it. I can't believe in God anymore. I can't believe in, you know, the Father. And I, I can't rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's too much. Let me just get off of this cross. The, their sin is too much. These people. No, he said, I am enough. This, he said, forgive them for they don't know not what they do. He stayed on that. He endured the cross for your sins. Just, just think about everything that you've gone through. Even now, maybe you're Christian. Maybe you, you believe in God. Even now, the cross. Everybody say the cross. The cross. And if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to open up to John chapter 1, verse 12. 
And um, I'm going to start reading in, in uh, verse 9. But I want you guys to listen. Because again, God came into this world. He has a way for you, an escape, an exit for all the troubles that you're going through. You trust in God. Because if, you don't, if you're not trusting in God, you're not trusting in much, are you? You're not trusting in much. It's, it's not the right thing to do. Right? Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Right? He gives light to you. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay? So they rejected Jesus. That's why Jesus was crucified. But he had a bigger plan than that, right? He did it for us. He did it with joy, for the joy set before him because he knew the outcome. He knew that you would be united to him forever. Amen. Your sin wouldn't stop you anymore from coming to Jesus. That's why the blood is so here, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus represents all those sins, sicknesses, and sorrows blocking your way. Now they are gone. That's the blood of Jesus. He paid the price for you. But check this out. Verse 12. Look at this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become a child of God, to become children of God. That implies three things right there. You got to receive him. It's not you're earning it. I don't see that word there, earn. I don't see that word recreate. I don't see the word, um, you know, do a, a full life makeover. I don't see those words there. I see receive. That's, that's the word I see. I see receive, meaning that implies that he did something for you and that he's giving you something freely, right? The cross. Everybody say the cross, okay? Yet to all who did receive him, you need to do that today. Receive him. How do you receive him? Everybody say believe. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, if you want to receive, you got to believe. Amen. You have to believe the way that the people in Las Vegas on Sunday morning are still gambling away, believing in a coin. Don't let them have more faith in that coin than you do in a living God, right? Believe in God. You have to put your trust in him. Don't keep your hands in your pockets. It's not even about money, but your whole life. If you really believe in something, you're going to give your life to that. And that's what God wants you to do for those who receive him. You need to believe in him. And you know what? He gives you the right. You don't get those rights by earning. You don't get those rights by just throwing it all the way to your own cause. He gives you the right to become his child. All right? You're born once a sinner. You're born separate from God. That's why you're here today because you didn't know this coming in today. But now you know. You just receive it. You got to commit People say it's hard to find God all the time. It's easy to find God. We just worshiped him, didn't we? We just felt his presence, didn't we? It's easy to find God, but it's hard to commit. Commit today. Commit today. Just like that word from our, our sister Lily, one of the deacons here, said, I see your sacrifice. I see the struggle. God is saying that I see the struggle in trusting me, but I'm pleased with it. You want God to be pleased with you. Because God is pleased with Jesus and his sacrifice. God already paid the price for you. God already paved a way for you. It's time to receive today. No more running, amen? It's time to receive. So I just want everybody to stand up. I'm going to pray right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, to anybody who is moved by this message, God, I pray that they would receive forgiveness for their sins, oh God. God, you are mighty enough. Amen, church. God is mighty enough to redeem us, to recreate us, to give us a new life in you, God. 
You did it for us on the cross, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. I want to also let you guys know that we're going to have a time of fellowship right after we recite our creed. During that time, um, I have Pastor Vanessa and Pastor Chris. If you guys felt that that was for you, man, God is telling you today is the day I can come right. I can come freely accepted by Jesus and get my life right. Come and receive prayer from them during that greeting time, okay? And if anybody would like to receive a, a physical paper of their confession of faith, please raise your hand. Amen. This is our confession of faith. This is our worldview based on the Bible, not based on our uh, own emotions or based on, you know, what people have made up in the world, but based on the word of God, the book of truth. All right. So we're going to recite this together. We're going to declare it and we're going to do it as a family. Okay. So on the count of three, everybody, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Amen. Amen. Greet your neighbor. Come get prayer. Have an awesome time of fellowship. Metro Praise International, so good to have you all here with us this morning.
please make your way back to your seat. So good to have you all. I want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, please raise your hand. One of our ushers would like to bring you a brochure, give you some information about who we are. Here at Metro Praise, we have two main services, Sundays at 10 a.m., Elevate at 7 p.m. Elevate. Amen. That's Elevate's Fridays at 7 p.m., ages 11 to 18, so come on out. And I just want to give you guys a quick announcement. You guys, please make sure to look up at the screen. Very important outreach we have going, the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Come on. We've been going out there for years, 2014. This is outreach, Saturday, June 14th. Please put it in your phones right now. Check us out on Facebook. We have an event page. This is one time a year. We get together as a church and we go out into the community of Humble Park and we preach the gospel. Lives are touched. People hear about Jesus Christ for the very first time or people rededicate their lives. Backsliders coming back to the Lord. It is powerful. You don't want to miss out. If you've never done something like this, you got to just get pumped and excited because God's going to use you, all right? So Saturday, June 14th at 10 a.m., we're going to meet here at the church. Awesome. And here at Metro Praise, we have a vision of loving God and loving people, the two greatest commands that Jesus Christ gave us. And we have a discipleship strategy, which is connect, mentor, and send. So this is what we're all about, discipleship. We want to make sure that you get trained up in the word of God. And so the way that we do that here is once you're connected to Jesus Christ, somebody say Jesus. It's all about him, right? Once you get connected to Jesus, you want to get connected to a life group. And life groups are places where disciples share life together. So we have many things going on throughout this quarter. If there's something that you want to do, check us out on the back of your announcements. If you want to look there now, there's a complete list of everything we have going on from a marriage group, single men's group, single mom's group, marriage life groups, uh, what else, fun and fellowship groups. We have something for everybody. So that's a complete listing right there. And so here's what's going on this week. So tonight we have the marriage group going out to Millennium Park at 5 p.m. Come on, that's exciting. So if you're married in this place, make sure you get a babysitter and then you come on out to Millennium Park and spend some time with your honey, right? And so also tonight we have encounter prayer and worship at 5 p.m. meeting here at the church, going deep into God's word. And then Wednesdays we have King's Kids at 6.30 p.m. Yes, we got something for the babies. And that's at 6.30 p.m. Parents, you can drop them off or you can stay here and hang out with them as well. And then Friday, adult Bible study at my place. Come on, we're blowing it up. God, yes, it is getting so awesome and just powerful. It's a new season and we're going to be having outreaches in the park and just having Bible studies across the street in the park. So get connected uh, with us and we do have childcare. And then Saturday, this Saturday, we have evangelism going out to different parks in the community at 5 p.m. and just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So please get connected with one of the life groups. Talk to one of the elders or deacons here today um, because we want to see you there. Amen. And then we have, once you get connected, we want to make sure that you get mentored. That's the second part of our discipleship strategy. Somebody wants to teach you about Christ. All right. Somebody wants to teach you how to live for Jesus. And once you get mentored, you're going to get sent out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out all over the world. Wherever God, the Holy Spirit will take you, God's going to send you out and use you. And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Come on, if you believe God can do that, give him some praise. 
Amen. You guys are a part of that goal. Do you understand? We are all about discipleship. You sitting here in this room, you're an answer to prayer, and God wants to use you. All right? And so now it's time to prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Please turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 9, 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. We're on lesson number six out of the online giving book. Today's lesson is generous offerings take sacrifice. All right, lesson number six. Generous offerings take sacrifice. So if you're with me, let's read. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How many of you know sometimes a good gift takes a sacrifice? You ever given a gift to your loved one and you know it costs you something, right? You know that ring, ladies, if your guy put a ring on it, you know it costs him something and it feels good, right? You don't want him to give you something that just doesn't cost anything. It's a good sacrifice, a good gift when it costs something. So here are the main points for this passage. Number one, enriched. It is God's desire to enrich you so you can be rich in giving. God's blessings are to go to you and then through you. Amen? God doesn't want us broke, busted, and disgusted. you understand that? God wants to bless us. The Bible tells us that it's to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit in every way. And so when we are blessed, we can be a blessing to other people. Number two, be generous on every occasion. How can we be generous on every occasion? By sacrificing and always giving our best. Every time we give our best to God, it is considered a sacrifice because we could have spent that money on something we personally wanted. And number three, thanksgiving to God. When we give generously and sacrificially, God is pleased with our offering. Also, the people we bless as a result of our offerings will give thanks to God for receiving what they need. For example, when you give to missions offerings, the people will be extremely thankful to God for your help and your support. Amen? And in summary, true generosity and offerings comes from a heart of sacrifice because you could have spent that money on yourself. Amen? Tithing is 10% of our total income. That already goes to God. Anything you give after that becomes your offering. So between you and your relationship with God, ask him, God, what can I give? How can I give above and beyond what you have already given me? Amen? Please stand to your feet with me. How do we apply this lesson to our lives? Number one, be a faithful tither. Sacrifice your wants and desires to give generous offerings. And number three, thank God for the chance to give and help others. Amen. Let's recite this confession together over our tithes and offerings. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. So I'm just going to reiterate it one more time. When you give to this church, uh, tithing goes to the general fund, helps pay for the bills, the, all the, the electricity, you know, the internet, all that good stuff. Anytime you give after that, you can choose whether it goes to building or missions. And this year, like many of you know, we are taking a trip to the Philippines at the end of 
2014. Amen. We got a goal of raising $20,000 to take this trip, and we're well on our way. So if you haven't partnered with us, if you haven't uh, prayed and asked God to give you an amount, do that now and make sure to circle missions on your offering envelope. And let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for every blessing. Father, we thank you that when we are blessed, it gives you glory. Father, that you are glorified. Just pray for blessings to be poured out, financial bondage, dear God, to be broken off of your people in the name of Jesus. Father, there's people who don't have jobs now are looking. I pray for doors of employment to open. I pray for your favors, dear God, and I pray that you would receive the glory in all that we do. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please come up as you give. Thank you. Amen, amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a woo woo? Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, it's good to see you this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your other neighbor and say, I like seeing you more. And make sure that's your wife if it's your sitting next to your wife. Or, yeah, okay. Good to have everybody here. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Going through a sermon series. Does anybody know the name of the sermon series? Sermon on the Mount. You guys are awesome Bible school students. We're today going to be talking about oaths and promises. Oaths and promises. So we have made it through the adultery section and the divorce section. How many are glad we made it through? Amen. I mean, there was some tough messages when we talked about divorce and adultery. But I hope that's a foundation of your life now, okay? Because if you do one of those things, divorce or adultery, and you say you didn't know, I'm going to show you why them Bibles are big, okay? I'm going to just whap you. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. Don't find out. Don't find out. That's all I got to say, gentlemen. Oh, man, I went back into the gym the other day. Let me just talk about that for a minute. I was like doing daddy daycare, and you know what? I shouldn't even say that. I don't do daddy daycare. What I just do is clean the dishes and let mama do everything. But the bottom line was I couldn't go to the gym, okay? So everybody go, oh. But this week, baby, I went back. I went back, and I went hard. I went hard. You can't tell looking at this. See, I got a lot of muscle, but I cover it up. I cover it up with lots of love, you know, because I don't want people to stumble. I don't. I don't want ladies to stumble. I don't want to be coming in here all just, you know, and then, woo, you talking to your husband. I'm, oh, that pastor, he just, you're good looking. Look at him. No, I don't want that. 
I don't want that. I would just I would just rather be the guy at the church retreat when I take off my shirt. Everybody's like, kids, turn away. Turn away. What what is that guy, the woolly man? No, because um, what is that uh, the the big guy, the big, big guy with feet? What do they call that guy's wife? Sasquatch, yes. <laughs> Snapshot, Instagram. We found a Sasquatch, our pastor. I'm not going to go into more depth than that. Uh, look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor they look nice today. Amen. You look nice. Come on, mean it. Mean it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I just love this church. Isn't this church fun? Don't you enjoy coming Sunday morning? I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so. Having said that, we're done with adultery and divorce. You want to go back and listen to it, it's online. Today we're going to be talking about oaths and promises. Everybody say promises. Awesome. Okay, so look at Matthew 5, 33 and 37. We're going to read all this passage. It's Jesus talking, very important. And what better time to learn about this right now than in our culture today. We need to keep our word. Everybody needs to keep their word. It would make our world better. Verse 33, Jesus talking, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, and let me just pause here. Does everybody remember the sermon series that we talked about, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, where I explained why Jesus is doing this? He is quoting Old Testament ways of doing things, and now he's adding on to it his twist. So we're not living in the Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament, and that which separates separates the two is Jesus Christ. So the reason why we don't go to temple, sacrifice animals is because of Jesus. The reason why we can eat lechon and crawfish is because of Jesus, okay? The reason why we don't stone disobedient children in the back of our church is because of Jesus. All right, okay. So this is that same pattern he's using in this sermon series as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you heard it back then, not to break your oath, fulfill to the Lord what's vowed you've made but I tell you somebody say that's what he said thank you but I tell you do not swear an oath at all either by heaven for it is God's throne or by the earth for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king who is the great king Jesus, amen. And do not swear by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. All you need to simply say is this, yes or no. Everybody say it, yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Okay, let me just give you a couple uh, updates here about the sermon series. If you're just joining us, this is the Sermon on the Mount. It's all about Jesus' teaching, the largest block of Jesus' teaching in the whole New Testament, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you've got a red-letter Bible, it's all red. So take time this series and read the whole portion. Just sit down and read. It'll take you like five minutes. Read it at the dinner table to the kids. It's awesome. And any time this month or during the sermon series, you got something to encourage us with, hashtag Kingdom Basics on your social media, on your Twitter, on your Facebook. You know, like you just help the poor. Hashtag uh, Kingdom Basics. Why? Because we're going to learn about giving to the needy in this sermon series. You just prayed and God blessed your life. Hashtag Kingdom Basics. Put it up there. Amen. So we need to encourage each other in the kingdom. Now, number two is disciples. Everybody say disciples. All right. See, we're taking that name back from the gang and we're bringing it back to the church where it belongs. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm a disciple. Oh, yeah. DOC, baby. Disciple of Christ. We get that title first, baby. 
Not gun-toting, pants-sagging ninnies. Real men of God get that title. Amen? Real women of God get that title. We don't have to beat people up. We fight spiritual weapons. We, we fight the devil with our spiritual weapons. Amen? And if you don't believe that those are stronger than your earthly weapons, all you got to do is see one demon get cast out as a gangbanger or somebody that loves to carry guns, and you will run away scared. I'm telling you. Because when you see the real deal, you'll realize guns ain't got nothing on the devil, baby. So we need to stop fighting each other and fight the devil. Amen? We got authority in Jesus' name. Disciples. Mathetes in the Greek. This means committed followers of Jesus Christ. He's not looking just for church members. You to come on Christmas and Easter and be a Christer. This is not what Jesus wanted. He wanted you to be committed. He wanted you to be sold out. He wanted you to be the kind of person that when people look at your life, they say, oh, man, they act just like Jesus. Now, we may not always be perfect like Jesus, but at least they should see our journey to be like Jesus. We don't use it as an excuse. We use it as a standard. Amen? Jesus is my standard. He is my master. He is my sensei. Number three, kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth. We're going to learn the Lord's Prayer. Guess where the Lord's Prayer is found, y'all? Sermon on the Mount. And he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So everything you're learning here is about the kingdom of heaven. So you may say, man, I wasn't raised that way. My neighborhood's that, not that way. Or we may say in the whole city of Chicago, that's not how we do it in this city, in Chi-Town. Well, I don't care about any of that. Neither does Jesus because he's the king of all the earth, and I'm doing it his way. He's the great king. Amen? So if everybody wants to go to hell in Chicago, I'm not going to hell with people in Chicago. I'm going to heaven all by myself. Amen? But how many going to heaven with me? How many going to turn the other cheek and love some folk, love some enemies how many are going to help the poor and give to the needy and change the world does anybody want to follow the great king jesus amen you see we don't got to be the disciples of the world we're going to be the disciples of christ we don't have to follow the king the kings the latin kings we follow the king jesus christ if you are part of a gang you just got preached to today god bless you god bless you we love you the bible is teaching us this is what we do this is who we are we're disciples serving a king one day, we're going to see that it really mattered how we treated people. Right now, you may be able to get away with how you treat people, but one day, God is going to judge you, and it will matter on that day how you treated people. And if you did the right thing, there will be rewards for you. And if you did the wrong thing, you will be sentenced to hell forever. His kingdom is not one that you can just run away from. His kingdom will rule over this entire earth. So now let's take those teachings seriously. What do we just learn today? That we shouldn't be making oaths, vows, or swearing by our head or by heaven or any of this. Let's get the definitions up here. You can follow along online. The notes are always there on the website. Here we see the term oath, vow, and swear all basically mean the same thing. It means to promise to do something based on your respect for another thing. So here would be an example. I swear to God, I'll pay you back, man. You know, like that would be the way to do it. Or I swear on my mother's grave I didn't eat the cookie, you know, like you're at your lunchroom. I swear on my mother's grave I didn't eat your cookie, man. And you know they did, but they just throw it out there like that. But it's supposed to mean something, you know. And then there's a tradition. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to be insulting. But then they, like some people, like I swear, and then they do like the little Catholic thing, and then they kiss like that. Like I swear, man, you know, I don't know. Does anybody know how to do what I'm doing? <laughs> there we go. So you just, you know, yeah. So it's like. Now you meant it. Okay, that's all that means It's now you meant it. Jesus is saying you shouldn't have to do any of that. That shouldn't be the way you convince people of your word. You should not have to say, I swear by my mom's grave. I swear 
to God. The Bible says you should simply be a, such a person of integrity that when you say, yes, that's what happened, that should be all that needs to be said. Or no, that isn't what happened. That should be all that would be needed. But in our culture today, is that how we see people operating based on their word? No, we see in our culture everybody trying to get out of their word. Now, think about it. There are some circumstances where maybe you can't keep your word. Let's say you signed a lease with your apartment, and maybe you lose your job, and you have to come back and say, you know what? I signed a contract that said I promised to give you X amount of dollars, but I can't do that anymore because I don't have a job, and I can't afford to pay bills. You see, if that situation happens to us, we should be able to say we're sorry and we repent because our word wasn't kept. And I've had to do that, and it's not a good thing to do that. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but if you've ever been through that, you know that hurts. It's embarrassing. But when we do that, the excuse isn't, don't take me at my word because I'm never going to keep my word. No, we're not making an excuse. We're making an apology that says, I should have kept my word. Things happened I couldn't control. Would you forgive me? See, we're not coming to a perfect standard where if we ever mess up that no one is supposed to we can't receive forgiveness and grace if we break our word there should be a learning that comes from this an experience of grace and a life changing lesson so let's say I broke that lease and I've been there before what can I do now signing that new lease what I can do now is to make sure I can afford that lease have money in the bank maybe more of a solid job also maybe change the terms of the lease instead of three years make it just one year so that I won't disappoint the landlord if he was expecting me to be there three years. Is everybody tracking with me? But that's not what's happening in our culture today. Most people are not coming to their contracts going, I'm so sorry I can't do this anymore. Most people are trying to get away with breaking their word. Let's start with the marriage contract. Most people are not coming to the divorce court going, you know what? I just feel like I've disappointed my wife. Let's say the husband. I just feel like I disappointed my wife. You know, I didn't keep my word to her. I had an adulterous affair. I feel so bad about that. Is that how the man who had an affair is coming to the divorce court? No, he's almost coming there proud. Like, this marriage covenant means nothing to me. I just broke it however I wanted to, and now I just want to start over again. Where can I sign to find myself out of this marriage? Or sometimes people who can't afford their rent, maybe it's not because of their job, maybe it's just bad budgeting, and they go to their landlord and say, I can't afford to pay this, what are you going to do about it? And the landlord goes, well, you know, you got 90 days to pay. And then so they say, well, you know what, I'm not going to even pay anything for the next 90 days, I'm going to take my free ride of 90 days until eviction. See, I think we're living in a culture that's starting to do that more and more. Or teenagers, the parent will say to the teenager, hey, be home at 11 o'clock. This is your curfew. And the teenager will go, yes, mom, I'll be here. I swear I'll be home on time. And then they come home late. And then they make excuses. And then the parents have to be worried about where their kids are at. And then eventually this kind of a child lives in a rebellious relationship with his parents to where his parents or her parents cannot trust them because their word doesn't mean anything anymore. From our marriages to our business deals, to our families. I think we all need to learn to keep our words because swearing is not what we need. Taking oaths is not what we need. What we need is people to keep their word. Now think about it like this. How many of you want people to keep their word when you ask them to give it? 
So let's say you need a ride to go to work tomorrow. Maybe you're all carpooling, and that coworker says, I'll be at your house at 8 o'clock in the morning. Do you all want that person to keep their word? Yes. But how about if they said to you, well, then you uh, bring the breakfast burritos or something. You make something at home. You bring the toast. You bring the food. Now, should you also keep your word? Are there people in your life that you've noticed that they've always expect you to keep your word, but they never keep their word? There's some people like there that, that are like that, aren't they? I meet them all the time in the church. So take, for example, someone wants us to do something, to be at their wedding, to be at their, uh, their function, and I'll put it on my calendar to be there. But I may be running late, and I may be showing up five, ten minutes late. They'll be acting like World War III has just broken out, like we need to start calling down fighter jets, like we need to destroy the pastor. I ain't never coming back to that church again. But yet they'll tell me, Pastor, this is my church. They'll disappear for months, and yet they don't want to be messed with. Hello, somebody. See, I think there's a lot of times there's double standards. Maybe your boss will do the same thing to you. Maybe he'll say, you come on time. You hand me this assignment on time. But then when they say they're going to do something for you, they just let it slide, and maybe they promised you a promotion, and you have to keep asking and keep asking. It can go both ways. Sometimes kids say to their parents, when are you going to do X, Y, and Z? And parents make promises they can't keep. Then the kids think the parents have broken their word. And as we said before, sometimes the young people break their word. I want you to look at number two. In modern times, the vows that we're making today come in testifying in court, marriage, contract, and promises. Now, do I think we need them? No. But our culture thinks we do. God says we don't need them, but our culture says we do because our simple yeses and nos don't mean much in this culture. How many think that a credit card company could stay in business if they didn't have your Social Security number, no way of collecting funds, just if you went into American Express, shook their hand and said, I'll pay you back? Do you think that credit card company could stay in business if you just shook their hand and said, I'll pay you back, you got my word? They would be out of business by this time tomorrow, would they not? So they put in contracts. They put in all these things. And you know when you're signing those things, it's like click and agree if you're doing it online or if you're signing the piece of paper. It's like you have not read that thing. That thing is like a book. I probably just signed away my first three children. I don't even know what I'm signing. I'm just like, man, sign it. Give me the thing, you know. But that's what they're doing. They're basically, what that, that whole contract basically says this. You don't pay us. We're going to pimp you. They could, just put, they could just put it in big, bold, you don't pay us, we will own you. I'm so serious. That's, that's all they're doing with those, same thing with cell phone companies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Cell phone company contracts, uh, cable contracts. All they're saying is we will own you. We will make your life a living hell. But that's how it is. But most people don't even care, right? Or there could just be everyday promises. They say on average people are lying two to three times a day, but that's on a, a place that they're asking them how much you lie. That could have been one of the times they lied. You don't know what say. How many times you lie? Well, I'm going to lie now and tell you only lie two or three times a day. So on average we could be lying 100 times a day. We have no idea. And I'm sure many of those times we're lying is because we're breaking promises to each other. And it, and it happens in everyday life, even, even with pastors. And that's why I hope our church can set a different standard because some of my pastor friends, they're walking around like they're Ryan Seacrest. And I don't know what's up with this, but they think they're so hot stuff and everything. They'll be like, I'll call you. 
I'll call you. Hey, man, I'm going to email you. I'm going to email you. You're such a cute guy. I never get no email, never get no call. You know, a year later, I see him at the same conference. Hey, man, I'm going to call you. You know what I want to do? I just want to say, let me see your phone for a minute. Then I just want to break it and put it on the floor and just say, be like, now you have a reason not to call me. Now I'll know why you don't call me because you don't have a phone no more. But people in the church do that. Oh, we'll get together this week. Oh, I'll see you this week. Hey, I'll be praying for you. Hey, come on, let's just keep it real. You better make sure when you're telling somebody on Facebook you're praying for them, you actually pray for them. Don't be breaking your word. I'm praying for you all day and you're just eating Doritos at your computer. You're just like, I'm praying for you. Like, you ain't praying for nobody. You didn't even pray for them Doritos before you ate it. You know what I'm talking about. Let's just keep it real. We better keep our word, making promises we can't keep. Lord, help us. Look at number three, please. As we go to Moses in the New Testament, it wasn't a bad thing. Never, never let us look to the Old Testament as it being a bad thing. The ways of the Old Testament were the foundation for the New Testament. So we can learn the principles, though we may not do the same practice. Though we may not stone our children when they disobey, we can apply the principle of discipline. Though we may not cut out lechon and, and all these things from our diet, let us apply the principle of watching what we eat and being clean and what we put into our lives. Moses taught in the Old Testament, Jesus was referring to this, the vows that you make you have to keep, Numbers 32. Just look at it up here. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he said. Somebody say everything. Thank you. So Jesus is telling us this is the way you had to do it before. So, for example, the business deals of the Jewish culture were made based upon you swearing to God. The business deals, the contracts, you loaning each other money were based upon your covenant to God. And so if you broke that, you were in trouble. And then there was a judicial power that the church held. I shouldn't say the church, rather. The Jewish leadership held that could enact punishment upon you for breaking your vows. Because in the Old Testament, the church and state were one entity. The church and the government worked together. And I think that was a good thing for then. But now I'm glad that church and state are separate. Amen? Anybody happy for our Constitution? Because any time you have a church and state now, it's always what church denomination would it be? So imagine if the Baptists were in charge. We'd be getting arrested for speaking in tongues in here. Amen? But I'm glad I can be Baptocostal. I can agree with them on some things. And boom, shakalaka, take it to the next level. Amen? So I'm glad we don't have a church-state thing going on because every church may be differently run. But I'm also happy that in the Old Testament they did have one way of doing it because God wanted to safeguard his people so that the Messiah could come. Jesus came for the Jewish people. So if they wouldn't have held to these strict laws, Jesus wouldn't have made it through that group of people. Think of it like this. The Hittites became extinct. The Egyptians got overpowered. The Romans got destroyed. But God kept the remnant of Israel so that the great king Jesus could come through the Virgin Mary. Amen. And so that was part of the reason of all these strict laws. But now look at number four. Jesus is teaching us a higher way of doing it. It is not a lower way of doing it. See, some of you may think, man, if, if you swear in church, to, you know, if let's say we call up all of our students up here and say, swear to God in church right now, you're going to get good grades. Like some parents may be like, man, that's awesome. 
Let's do it right now. Like we marching upon the kids, like they're swearing, I swear to get good grades, so help me God, strike me dead right now, you know. But let me just tell you something. That is not a better way of doing it than asking your kids, are you going to get good grades? And they say yes. You say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. Well, you got to understand, all of that swearing really doesn't change the heart. You see, you can have them swear up and down. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. But if their heart is not with you, it will mean nothing more than them just straight out lying to you. You would rather, parents, listen to me, have your children make a simple yes statement and a no statement, and it mean everything, than to go through all of that. Same thing in marriage ceremonies, you know. You know, at, at first it was, you know, just... Do you want to do all these things? You know, to death do you part, through sickness and in health, all of this. Say, I do. I do. Bam. You know, now we're like writing like the, our own vows. You know, I'll, I'll be there every morning with little honey biscuits and bacon syrupy gravy and put, making meals for you. And we'll always take walks on the beach. It's like, no, just tell them you're not going to ever leave them. Because now with all of these made-up vows and everything, they don't keep people married longer. It's not like that. I mean, praise God for people who write their own vows. I did too. All I have to say, this one little part I'll never forget, you're my sunshine on a cloudy day. I know, who was that Marvin Gaye song or something? You're my sunshine on a cloudy day. Who is that? I can't hear the word. The temptations. There we go. But my point is, that's not going to keep my marriage together. Because I made all these cute promises. It's a simple yes, I'm with you until the day we die. Boom. Do you mean it or do you not? That's why a lot of times I look at these guys putting up romantic stuff on Facebook. I'm like, man, what trouble did you get into that you got to do that now? <laughs> now, I know there are some guys that just happen to want to come home with a dozen roses and chocolate and put it up and, and make a big deal. There's some dudes that just want to do that. But nine times out of ten, I'm thinking to myself, Charlie, what did you get yourself into? Oh, I love you so much here. You know, come on. Because to me, it's not romanticism that keeps our marriage strong. It's the Holy Spirit. It's love for one another. It's honesty. It's things that chocolate and flowers don't buy. Amen? Even though I know those are good things to have, okay? Praise God. We need help keeping our word, don't we? Look at number four. Jesus was teaching us simply that our yes should be yes and our no should be no. That will be the Christian character. So today, Sermon on the Mount lesson is that our yeses should be yes and our noes should be no. That should be enough for God's people. Amen. James in the New Testament, the half-brother of Jesus. Everyone turn there with me, please. Even though I have the notes, let's do some spiritual workouts today. You guys ready? Come on, spiritual workouts. James chapter 5, verse 12. James was the half-brother of Jesus. You know if you're worshiping your half-brother, you had a revelation from God, right? So those of you who have half-brothers and sisters, imagine you worshiping them, calling them God. Something happened. Either you have lost your mind or that person is God in the flesh, okay? Jesus' half-brother who made fun of him in the first part of the New Testament ended up worshiping him, glorifying him, and believing him to be who he said he was, God in the flesh, so we don't believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. We believe after Jesus was born, her and Joseph did what God made them to do. They were fruitful and multiplied. And here's what he writes 
He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. And here by swearing, we don't mean cussing. You all know the difference. We don't mean cussing. We mean swear like I swear to God. That's what it's talking about. Cussing itself is another thing we shouldn't do, and it's called unwholesome language, okay? That's in Ephesians. But above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need is simple yeses or no, or simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Therefore, it's wrong to swear when all you need to say is yes or no. How many think that can change our world? Just right there. Amen. How many would like to see a politician just say yes and mean it? That would change our world. Bam! That would change everything right now. That would change our world. How about every person getting married from this point forward means their yeses and nos? I'll change the world. How about every young person right now, your yes and your no mean something to your parents? How about every church member, every commitment you make to this church, your yes and your no, you keep it. Would that not change this church? Be no empty chairs here, would there be? Right? And, and, and remember, it's not just yes, 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 yes. No, there's also a no there. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can say is no. Okay, that's a spiritual thing to say is, no, I'm not going to do that. No, this is not the thing that I'm called to do. No, I don't want to do that. No, we're not going there. I mean, no is a good answer, isn't it? Right? Let's look at Jesus' words in context here because I want to give you a bigger picture to Jesus. If some of you, and I know we got some Bible school students in here and some studiers, uh, students of God's word, you may already be thinking to yourself, Hey, but you know what? There's some places in the Bible where I see people making oaths, even in the New Testament. And right now would be a good time for me to help you see the context of Jesus' teachings because we're going to get into some other things that if you always took them literal, you might get yourself in a little bit of trouble. Let me give you an example. Oftentimes, we hear Jesus' general terms of this, and we get them confused. Here they are. Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. But Jesus actually called some people some fools. So is that a contradiction? We'll learn. Do not swear an oath at all, but you'll see Jesus later on in his trial swears an oath, and so does Paul. Do not resist an evil person. You'll see Jesus at times didn't always do what evil people wanted him to do. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. You'll see at times Jesus didn't always go where everybody wanted him to go. So when you look at number two in our notes, there are specific situations that Jesus himself acts differently than what he said we shouldn't do. For example, calling someone a fool. Let's look at this happy verse in Matthew 23, 17. Let's look at this. Now, I want you to think of the most happy, smiley Jesus picture you can think of in your mind. And by the way, I'm growing my hair out long, and I just can't wait till it's all long and flowy up here. Get some braids and all of that. But watch. I am just waiting. Now, none of y'all can say it because you hear this. But I've just been waiting for somebody to be like, you a pastor. What do you think you're doing growing out your hair long? You shouldn't do that. Then all I want to do is just go, do you have a picture of Jesus in your house? What does he look like? And his, he has long hair, doesn't he? Jesus had long hair. I thought it was funnier up here than I guess it was out here. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I needed you on that. But how many know Jesus had some flowing locks? White, blue-eyed Jesus be looking good. Amen? That's how I'm going. I'm going for that Jesus look. Just another excuse to talk about myself, weightlifting in my hair. and Help me, Lord. Let's look at this happy scripture. Here's Jesus on a good day. Matthew 23, 17. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? 
Look at the verse 16. He's even excited, more excited up here. Woe to you, blind guys. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, he, uh, it means nothing. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, you're bound by an oath. So, so here's, here's happy Jesus saying we shouldn't be swearing what he's saying right now but in the verses before he said don't call anybody a fool so while he's rebuking them for making oaths it seems like he's breaking the word he had just said before not to call anybody a fool does anybody remember when he said that I don't think some of you do go back to Matthew chapter 5 either that or you're gassy I don't know but I'm looking for reaction here does anybody remember him saying not to call anybody a fool okay you're not look at your neighbor and say thank God I'm not gassy today somebody like no I'm not saying that pastor no you, you cross the line cross the line look at it Matthew chapter 5 verse 22 and onward. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means idiot, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, be in danger of the fire of hell. What did Jesus just call these Jewish brothers and sisters? What did he call them? Okay, he called them a fool. So is the Bible contradicting itself or are we having to harmonize what the scripture is saying. And we're going to get into that. But I want you to think about it before we do. Let's go to another one. He said, don't swear at all. Now go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 and 64. You'll hear this from non-Christians who want to make us out to be, counter, um, that we're contradicting ourselves, that Jesus is uh, not the Messiah. He's not the Christ because he contradicts himself. But I'm going to help you see it differently. But I want to be honest with it as well. So go there. When you're there, can you say I'm there? Thank you. Now Jesus remains silent. Now the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Now does Jesus say, I don't take oaths. I can't do that. I can't swear on the Bible because that's not how I roll. He says, you have said so. He takes the oath and he says it by opening his mouth. He doesn't plead the fifth. By opening his mouth, he has now taken that oath that he is saying the truth according to God. See? There's a contradiction in the surface level interpretation. It seems to be contradictory. Let's go to another one because I want everybody to see this so that in our sermon series you can say that my pastor has taught me the full counsel of God's word. Look at John chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 because in next week's lessons as we get into treating our enemies, turning the other cheek, don't resist an evil person, that would almost seem like we would always have to be pacifists, would it not? Wouldn't that make it sound like you can never defend yourself because you're always supposed to turn the other cheek? But did Jesus always just walk around never resisting evil people? No. In the temple, here's another happy day for Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church? Here you go. This is, I love this about Jesus right here. We need to put this on postcards, send it to each other during Christmas time. Here we go. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip. Is this him turning the other cheek going, hey, guys, let's just talk about it. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. Now, if y'all don't get this, let me just, just make a revelation here for you. Go to a market today with a whip and start throwing around people's stuff and money and see what happens. 
That's what Jesus did, okay? Now, I'm not going to take it as far as to say Jesus was doing like UFC body slamming people, but I guarantee you there were people trying to stop him from whipping, but he kept whipping. There were people that were trying to say, no, Jesus, don't throw my money like that. And throwing their money. Now, I don't know how cray-cray it got, but like I said, if you want an illustration of it, Maybe you shouldn't do this because you're going to blame it on me. Just imagine if you did that at that, what's that uh, place right off of Milwaukee, right next to Father and Son, Mega Mall. (laughs) Yes. Go to the Mega Mall in your imagination, in your imagination with a whip and think about what would be going down. That's what Jesus did. So obviously there were times when Jesus got evil people, gave evil people a whooping. And that's what we did with Hitler in Germany. We needed to give him a whooping, did we not? Some whoopings are more harsh than others, amen? One more time. Here we go. Jesus not going. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verse 31 through 32, because we get this idea. Jesus says, anybody wants to go one mile, go with them two miles. So we get this kind of understanding, like, hey, I'm just supposed to be everybody's lackey. Somebody says, come pick me up. I'm supposed to go pick them up. And the Bible also says, give to the one who asks of you. So if someone asks you today, give me your car, give me your wife, give me your keys to, to your house, we're supposed to just go, here you go. But is that what Jesus meant? See, that one's a little more obvious, isn't it? But let's look at this last one here. Uh, Luke chapter 13, 31 through 32. At that, uh, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, oh, this is all happy verses for Jesus today. They said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. This is good for any street preacher right here. Leave this place, Jesus, and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Now, do you just think, let's just stop right here for a second. This is Jesus, okay? And now they're telling him somebody wants to kill him. So this is not everybody's, like, favorite person. He's not wearing, winning an American Idol. He's not writing the book, Win Friends and Influence People. This is a guy that's got on some people's nerves, right? Now watch. Somebody wants to kill him. You would think at this person, Jesus would be like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else, right? But he is the creator of the universe. He is a boss, baby. Look at what my Jesus says. He replied, go tell that fox. He calls him a name. He calls him a fox. Now, you're like, what's a fox? Well, you, we, people get mad today and call each other female dogs. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of sick. He's like, you go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Bow. Somebody look at your neighbor and just say real softly, real nice, real lovingly, that's what he said. That's what he said. Now, I'm not giving you permission to go curse out somebody. I'm just here to say that there were times when Jesus did not go when people told him to go. There were, people, there were times that Jesus called people fools when he said not to call people fools. There was times that Jesus took an oath when he said not to take oaths. There were times that Jesus resisted evil people when they told him, they, uh, when he said not to resist evil people. So what do we see here? Look at point three. Therefore, we're left with one of two options. It's not a real complicated situation here. Either A, Jesus contradicted himself along with the apostles because they're doing all kinds of stuff like this too, or B, he is referring to specific situations in general terms. 
So which one? Let's pause here before I give you my answer, because obviously I don't think Jesus contradicted himself. But I, as your pastor, have given you the verses. Many of you have never even heard those verses in that context, right? But if you go street witnessing or share your faith with non-believers, you'll begin to hear things like this. See, Jesus contradicted himself. See, he said not to swear, but see, he took an oath. See, Jesus, he said turn the other cheek, but he's whipping people here. You know what I'm talking about, people like that, right? They, t they sound like this, too, don't they? That's how they sound, because they just think like they know everything. They're going to show you something in your Bible. Let me see your Bible. Let me show you this right here. Let me tell you how Jesus is dumb, and I'm so smart. I'm so smart. Let me show you this. That's how they sound to me. That's how they sound right here. <laughs> Lord, help us. So either A, he's contradicting himself. It's like this, this Bible is not really the word of God, because God would not contradict himself. Or... There is a reason why Jesus is talking like this, and all we have to do is just understand the circumstances. Now, let me give you the example of why I believe it's B. I believe Jesus is a man of his word, and we just have to understand the circumstances. When I see my kids fighting and they're getting in trouble with each other, I may say to them, stop fighting. I don't ever want to see you fight. Never, never, never stop fighting. Any parent ever had to say that to their kids, right? Stop fighting. I don't ever want to see you fight. Now, does that mean that if they join the military, they can't fight? Right? No, my, my mom and dad told me not to fight. You're just shooting guns like up in the air. I'm not going to fight. You know what I'm talking about? No, because now it's a different circumstance. C.S. Lewis said it like this, a very smart Christian man. He said it like this. If we kept turning the other cheek and not resisting evil people, then we would not be treating them the way we want to be treated because then they will make victims out of us all. Now think about this. If we don't defend the innocent and stop the, the victim, uh, the person uh, trying to hurt people, we won't be good parents anymore and we won't really be loving others as we are supposed to be loved. So if you come to my house and you're like, give me your daughter, I'm going to rape her. If I'm like, well, Jesus told me to give you whatever you ask, because that's what we're going to read. You know, that's disgusting, is it not? But I'm just giving that example. See, now I have victimized my daughter. I have not truly kept the golden rule, which is the way we interpret all those other rules. Now, during the time of Hitler's war, uh, there were people that said, oh, we don't want to fight. We don't want to fight. If there would not have been people to fight Hitler and to resist him as an evil person, we would all be wearing swastikas right now. Being under his regime, some of us would already been killed. Hello. But somebody had to stop that. So there has to be a way that we understand Jesus' teachings. And so I believe that's through the golden rule that we love people the way we want to be loved. We treat others the way we want to love uh, to be treated. And we treat our enemies that same way. So when we go to fight wars, we defend our homes. We don't do it in a brutality way. We do it in a way to bring justice to the world because justice has to be here so that people can live free and quiet lives, as the Bible says. Amen? So I would say it like this, as the commentators do as well. In conclusion, make good oaths, not bad oaths. Keep your word and avoid things that make you break your word. So here's good oaths, you know. When you say, I'm going to do something, whether you're in court or in a marriage ceremony, when it's sacred before you and God or it's meaningful or serious or judicial, those are the times that God's saying, you can do it. You, you don't have to unless someone puts it upon you. You know, if you want to go to the court, they should be able to take your word. But if they ask you to do it, you can do it, just like how he did it. And when you're signing up for that credit card, you, you shouldn't have to do it, but if they ask you to do it, it's okay. Make it meaningful. But the ones that you should avoid are the false ones to do evil, profane ones, vain ones, frivolous ones, or secret societies when you join like the Masons and all of these different things. 
So the big book of Bible difficulties helps us to see this kind of understanding. That's where the chart comes from. If you have more questions, we'll hook you up on Facebook. Amen. Now let me give you five ways to keep your word and be a trustworthy person because that's ultimately what Jesus is teaching us, is he not? He is saying we should be people where our yes means yes and our no means no. That man, that Jewish leader, did not have to make Jesus say, say an oath. Jesus would have told the truth without the oath. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Consider your commitments before you make them. So now moving forward from this point forward, young and old alike, let us only make the commitments that God has ordained us to commit to. So that means all of us here in our friendships, we have to be able to accept no at certain times. Just because I'm married to my wife and it's going to be till death do us part doesn't mean I'm to say yes to everything she says. So if she says today, honey, can you cut the grass? I've got to be honest and say no. If I can't do it, I've got to say no. Now, if I'm continually saying no to mama, there's going to be some problems, okay? Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Can I get an amen from the fellas, right? But let's do this, fellas. Instead of saying yes, 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 and a day goes by, another day goes by, it's just better to say no, I can't do it today. Does everybody get the difference? That's like an example in marriage. It's the same thing with kids. I'm being honest here, students. Listen to me, young people. I'll get your back here. If your parents keep saying, get A's, get A's, but you know the best you can do is get a C this semester. Tell them, say, Mom, I'm going to go for a C. Now, parents, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I want them to get an F or a C? Help them get a C, then help that C turn into a B into an A. Now, if, they're, if they've been getting Bs, you can help them get A's, you know, but, like, you get some parent, like, their child's been getting F's. How could you I expect you to get A's. You expecting quite a lot here, Mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, they today, we're just getting F's. Let's be happy with a C today. Now, I'm not saying anybody getting A's not going to C's. You should use that excuse. I'm just saying, parents, we need to be realistic with our kids. Sometimes parents tell me, I'm not going to let my kids date till they're 25. Why would you do that? What are you teaching them? You're teaching them to be afraid of the world until they're 25. You should, you should come up with an age that you can trust them in your home to date because if they're 25 and dating, chances are they're not at home. So you aren't going to be a part of that experience. Let them date while they're at home, while you have your watchful eye. Or here's the other option, parents, or you can have them make promises they ain't going to keep. Okay, I'm not saying lower your standard, but if you're expecting your child not to date till they're 18, you ain't going to have a real relationship with your child. I'm just telling you, 99.99% of the time, they will not keep it real with you. They, I mean, they already felt their first heart pitter-patter when they were 13 years old. Now you're expecting them to tell you they're not going to date till they're 18 years old. There's not going to be a real conversation there. Hello? And it's the same thing here in the church. Let me just keep getting some more toes to step on, amen? But hopefully I'm helping somebody. If you don't want to do the 101, just tell us. I don't want to do the 101. Because that's a part of what we do in this church. That's how we get you connected. But if you don't want to do it, just go and tell the person, man, I don't want to do it right now. Stop telling them you're going to meet on Tuesday and Tuesday. You tell them you're going to meet next Tuesday, then next Tuesday. And it's like, man, they think that you don't know how to tell time or you don't got a right calendar. Instead of making yourself look like you're irresponsible, just be honest. I'm not ready. Well, see, why do we break our word a lot of times? Because we don't want to deal with the consequence in front of the person. We don't want to really tell our boss we don't got the assignment done. So we'll say, yeah, we'll make up something and deal with it later. We don't really want to tell our spouse, now I can't do because we don't want to deal with the fight. See, when we're breaking our word, we're actually breaking our character. And we're doing it out of laziness. 
And I'm going to get to that here in number two. Never break your word. Turn with me to Psalms 15.4. It's obvious, but I want to tell you why we break our word. Because of our selfishness. It gets, it's easier to just quit on something than to stick with it. Anybody here been married for more than a day knows that you've got to go through some stuff to have a happy marriage. Anybody here that's ever had a child longer than a day understands that raising kids isn't always easy. Anybody here that's ever worked more than a day understands going to jobs with bosses and employees and friends or, I mean, coworkers isn't always easy. Anybody that's ever been a part of a church longer than a day knows that going and being committed to a church isn't always easy. Hello, somebody. Am I talking the truth here? Amen. Look at Psalms 15.4. Let this stick in your heart. Talking about who's going to see the blessing of the Lord, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. See, that principle there is now for our word. I mean, we may not be giving oaths, but we'll give our word, our yes, right? So that principle remains that we'll keep it even when it hurts. Do relationships hurt sometimes? Yes, but you keep your word. In marriages, does it hurt sometimes? Yes, you keep your word. Before you try to hand in that one for a new one, men, women, you keep your word. Work through it. Work through it. Young people, I was a high school dropout at 16. Did drugs. I was incarcerated eight times. You know why? Because I didn't want to obey my parents' rules. I paid for it in so many ways that I wish I never had to. Keep your word to your parents and be home on time. Obey their rules. You do not want to try to do life without your parents. I'm telling you right now, young people, even if your parents aren't saved, you say, Pastor, they don't, they don't always talk right to me. I'm telling you, you'll be better with them than without them. And you can pray for them. You can see God do great things in their life. Keep your word to them. And parents, let's not make promises we can't keep. Let's not make promises we can't keep. If you can't afford to go to Six Flags this summer, let's not tell them we're going to Six Flags. But if you told them we go into Six Flags and you lost your job or something, you better get that paper out, baby, and you better get them to Six Flags. I'm telling you because the moment you start saying, I have an excuse to break my word, what you are basically telling them is I have a reason for you not to trust me anymore. Is it worth it? No, it's not. Keep your word, parents. Keep your word. Leaders, keep your word on your job. Your bosses, uh, bosses, keep your word to your employees. Employees, keep your word to your bosses. Look at number three. Don't be double-minded. Turn with me quickly to James 1, 4 through 8. If I could get Rachel to come on the keys, please. Thank you for your patience today. Is this a good word? Are you blessed by it? Amen? It's all God. Amen? This is not my opinion. It's God's word. I'm glad you came to church today. Whatever's of me, let it... Fall to your, uh, you know, let it fall away. Let you not remember it. But whatever's of God, let it be in our hearts. James 1, 4 through 8, the same man that was teaching us about our yes being yes, no being no. Look at what he says about being double-minded. Starting in verse 4, he says, let perseverance finish its work so that we may be mature. Everybody go mature. Thank you. And complete, not lacking anything. So let perseverance finish its work so you can be mature. How do marriages get mature? By not quitting, persevering. How do you get promoted on your job? Do you know that most people right now, the job force is so inundated with college graduates and people from other businesses that have shut down that really it's almost a level playing field in so many ways. Do you know what the most important thing employers are looking for is people that are quick to listen, easy to get along with, and can take their company to the next level. 
I'm just reminded of Adam today who's doing his test for the policeman. He's, he's not here today. Praise God. We're going to pray that he'll get in. But he didn't even get his degree in education. He got his Bible college degree, which is a bachelor's in biblical education. But he works at a school for troubled teens. And most of the people there got their, you know, their elementary degree or some type of a degree in education. But already he's getting promoted. He's getting brought to a higher status than even people who are trained in that field. Why? Because once he showed up on that job, he was getting the job done. He wasn't double-minded about it. Well, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I should be coming to work today. He stayed focused. And I want to encourage everybody here, even if you got the degree in your field, whatever it is, we are in a competitive workforce right now. And what the employers are looking for is, are you going to be focused on what we got to do here in this company? And that's maturity on the job. Amen? And if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to anyone without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So you need wisdom on how to keep your word to do the right thing. We all need it. We should always ask God. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. Somebody say double-minded. Thank you and unstable in all they do. When I see people be double-minded in the church, I don't even have to go talk to their uh, husband or wife or their job or their boss. I already know they're double-minded there. Why? Because a double-minded person is double-minded in all they do. Now, you may fake it for a little bit, but I'm talking reality. Double-mindedness follows you in all you do. But when you look at somebody, from my perspective as a pastor, I meet somebody in the church, they're, they're keeping their word. You know, hey, do you want to join the one-on-one? Yeah, I'll be there on Tuesday. Tuesday comes, they're there, you know. Hey, we're going to get together this day. Yeah, we'll get together. They start keeping their word. They become a leader in the church. I don't even have to go and talk to their boss. I know they're keeping their word there because they're a single-minded person and they're focused in all they do. What kind of person are you known as? Are you known as a person that keeps your word, that's focused, or are you known as someone that's double-minded, that breaks your word? Number four, prayerfully seek God for strength to let your yes be yes. I know that when we commit to each other in relationship, most of the time we don't know the road that lies ahead of us. When I said I wanted to have a dozen kids, I had no idea what it would feel like. <laughs> but I am committed. Nancy, not so much. No, I'm kidding. She's committed. But now I have four. And it's like there's no time to be double-minded now. It's time to be focused. But, man, I need strength. I need strength to keep my word now. Because i got kids looking up to me. So what do we do, parents? We come to God and we ask for strength. Some of you may have high demanding jobs, and they're counting on you because you are a good person. And let me just encourage some of the good workers here. If you always wonder why you're doing more and the people are doing less, it's because people are trusting you more and they're trusting them less. Don't take it as a curse. Take it as a blessing. Because at some point, that's going to be your reputation. And they're going to say, we're already paying her to do three other people's jobs. We might as well just promote her to manager. Hello, somebody. I've heard that all too often. But the one who complains loses that blessing. Well, I'm not going to do your job. Take it as a blessing. Now, if they're being lazy, then bring it to your boss and say, hey, this person's not doing their job. But I remember, let me just pause here. I remember uh, working with the Bible college. You know, I have my master's degree. I'm a professor. And 
my president, the president of the school, wanted me to help do this thing for Mardi Gras. And I was with a co-worker from SUM. And this co-worker was dropping the ball left and right. We were having special guests come from around the country. It was our job to get them the materials, have the conference set up. And this brother was just dropping the ball. He would have made us all look bad. But I picked up the slack. I didn't complain. I rebuked him, though, but I picked up the slack. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but you know what? He ended up getting fired, and I ended up getting one of the executive level jobs. Why? Because someone was watching me. See? Dr. Miller, one of the right-hand men, was watching me the whole time. Take up the slack. Work hard without complaining. And then the boss was watching me. See, even if we know God is watching us, we should also know people are watching us. Amen? But going on to this prayer, we need to pray because you may have been put in that position on your job and you are getting now more responsibility. And I know sometimes it can be so uh, just, you know, strenuous job. Some of you are starting your own business. Some are working with a new family and your job. Here's the good part. You can pray and ask God for strength. Do you believe in that? I believe in that. Has anybody here ever gone through a hard time in their life and prayed and it actually worked? I have prayed my way through so many struggles. You know the time I was talking about having to close, uh, break a lease because I didn't have the, the finances? That was in the last building that we were in. And I did everything I could, and it felt so terrible. And I'm repenting to these guys. and They're cursing me out. And, and uh, we end up having to leave there, and God brought us to a better place. But through that time, man, I felt so discouraged. I felt like a loser. I felt like, man, I couldn't do anything right here. I'm supposed to be the pastor. So you know what I did? I prayed. Just said, God, I need your help. I want your strength. It's the same way we pray as parents. The same way young people, you can pray to finish high school and go to college. You're not the first one to have to do that. God is with you. Amen? And lastly, admit and repent of your inconsistencies. I think that is one of the best things we can do in our relationships is admit when we're wrong. Like I did with those landlords. Hey, I blew it. We were a young church. I tried to take on this building. I thought we could pay this. We hit a recession. I am sorry. I don't know what else to do. You can go to your loved one, your wife. I'm sorry, honey. I didn't take out the garbage. Forgive me. I'll do it right now. Go into your boss. I know this was due Tuesday, but I'm not going to have it Tuesday. I am sorry. I'll do better next time. It's coming Wednesday. See, people will respect that more Instead of them looking for you on Tuesday, and it's like, where's Jim? Oh, he's at the water cooler. Now, we're at water cooler. Where's Jim? Oh, he went to run an errand. They can't find you on Tuesday. Hello, somebody. It would be better for you just to say, man, I messed up. It's going to be here Wednesday. Repent when you do something wrong. And that's why I feel as a pastor, many of you trust me and you trust the others here because we repent when we do something wrong. And you talk to anybody married here, that's why they're staying married. It's not that they haven't let each other down. Oh, my goodness, let me count the ways, right? We've let each other down. But we repent when we let each other down. That's what it takes to make it in life. Amen. Can we stand up and give God a hand clap of praise? He's going to help us keep our word. Amen. Look at this closing quote today about keeping our word. Nothing is more important. Altar workers, would you come please? Nothing is more important to your character than keeping your word. Why? Because from it comes everything you do. Think about that. Ultimately, nothing in life will be more important than keeping your word because that's how, it, how you do everything. 
How many have a job to go to tomorrow? Right? Are people expecting you to keep your word? How many of you have a family, kids, wife, kid, uh, a, a husband, something? You going to keep your word? How many of you going to keep your word and come next week? Amen? Some of you are like, oh, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I'm just going to be honest. It's like you're okay. You're not great. You're just okay. I got some other places I'm going to visit. Okay, at least you kept it real, all right? Just bring all your complaints to this guy right here, okay? He'll help you out. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you want to keep your word to Jesus? Lord, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Sometimes we let him down, don't we? We do the wrong thing. Now in those times, is God wanting us to just run away and hide? Does he want us to quit and say, hey, I expected you to be perfect. Now you messed up. You looked at pornography. You lost your temper. You treated somebody the way you weren't supposed to. Just quit. You'll never be my servant. Is that, what, is that how Jesus talks to us? No. When we break our word to him, what does he say? Come to me. Repent. Let's make it right. The Bible says in Isaiah, let's reason together. Though your sins be like a scarlet, he says, I'll wash them white as snow. Come on, just let's, let's work on this. I took it for you to be cleansed. So in our walk with God, in our walk with each other, we should always be walking in grace. But keeping our word, as much power as we have to do it. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you today for your word. You told us that we don't need to swear and make oaths and vows like they did in the Old Testament, but that our yes should be yes and our no should be no. So, Lord, now I ask you to help us to only commit to that what we can do and to give us the strength to keep our commitments. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just in an 